Oh yeah, it's above the break. We're back. I titled this episode Lucky Number Sevens. Lakers fans might not be thinking that. Heat fans might be saying we were actually the eighth seed, and I will say, shut the fuck up. I don't go by the fucking stupid ass play-ins bullshit seeding. The Heat were the seventh seed entering the goddamn play-in. Fuck that noise. Um, but since they're about to sweep the Celtics, they would have won that first round series they should have had anyways. So <laughs> anyways, as always, this is Nevin Brown. And I'm joined by James Piercy. So James, when you were gambling earlier th- before the playoffs started, did you put your money down on the Nuggets making the finals and the Heat? making the finals granted he haven't made it yet the, the celtics i'm still confident not confident i'm still of the belief that if there's one team to overcome a 3-0 deficit it's these celtics against these heat um but you know once again they gotta win four they can't lose the heat just gotta win one so that's not looking i, I actually thought the lakers might be the team to do it or like if any team was gonna do it it could be the lakers i i, I just like LeBron James has inspired unwavering confidence in me over the years. And I just thought we might be about to see like, you know, his, his, his parting gift to the NBA, the first Oh three comeback, but uh, definitely not the case. (laughs) Look, I'm going to say this LeBron at 38 on what is like clearly a fucked up foot um, slash ankle slash whatever. He, he held like, People have been like, LeBron didn't come up big in the fourth quarter. I'm like, here's the thing, assholes. He played the entire fucking game. He is yeah. old, he is hurt, and he scored 30-plus points Yeah, in the first half. Like, they were had a 15-point lead going into halftime, and LeBron was the reason that existed because he was so yeah. good. I think it was like 21 points in the first quarter or something absurd. He, he, was, and, and- he was amazing. If I could have one more thing too, yeah. from a, a bit more, little more of a macro view kind of, kind of look at it, like everybody heralded the Lakers trade deadline. You know, out goes Westbrook, in comes Conley, Vanderbilt, Mo Bamba. I guess I was it, uh, Malik Beasley, right? Yeah, Conley went to the the, the Timberwolves, but he, sorry, he Con- left. yeah, Con- yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. D'Angelo Russell. Trade. D'Angelo yeah. Russell, yeah, right. Obviously, I knew that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think they should have got Conley. But so, okay, they took their roster from being like completely non-functional, like bullshit, to to functional, right? They still like we're still talking about LeBron and Anthony Davis with like who's the third best player, D'Angelo Russell or or Jared Vanderbilt or like could it be Rui Hachimura? Like, I mean, it like, turned out to be Austin Reeves, I think. <laughs> It did turn out to be Austin Reeves. That's exactly, and so that, that kind of illustrates the point too. Like that's not all that inspiring, right? Like most of these guys are like misfits or like like young players that didn't look like they had a very bright future. I really like Jared Vanderbilt, but that's about it. I mean, that's that's still a role player, you know. Yeah. So it's like, do they like? I think we should be celebrating a thirty-eight-year-old LeBron James for uh, leading the charge in a conference finals run. Yeah, I think to you, to the way I know you think about things, that would be obvious, really. Yeah. So, like, the the thing with the Lakers is is that they made that trade, and everyone's like, "What a good trade deadline trade!" And it's like the thing that's nuts is that it re- like, and this is like, this is what's crazy about it. 
it really just feels like they got Russell rid of Russell Westbrook and that made the team significantly better. Yep. And the guys they added, like they weren't bad per se, but like Vanderbilt in the conference finals, like you can't play him in a series like that because it's just, you need more offense against the nuggets. Even if his defense is great, it's just like you need more offense because you don't have the three point shooting infrastructure. If you have, LeBron and AD out there to have another kind of non-shooter. Yep. And allow the Nuggets to like hack the paint where those guys are most effective because that hurts your offense and you can't have your offense go too south because you know the Nuggets like just even if with a great defense, you know the Nuggets are going to get enough points that you you need to score. Delo like like he was unplayable in this series. Um yeah. but like Delo's a weird player like that. There there are there are stretches where you're like, this dude's an all-star. And then there are stretches where you're like, this dude is unplayable. And, yeah. you know, it's the reality of these, like, super one-way players. If they're not super consistent on offense, like, that's that's the that's the reality. And Malik Beasley, did he play? Like, did he even play in this series? And, like, realistically, like, you would have wanted his three-point shooting at some point to see if he could ke- catch fire. I mean, it's crazy to say this, but, like, in terms of the playoffs, right? Like, and I think people overrate like the playoffs in terms of this stuff because we're talking about it's all small sample. And especially with role players, I find that most frustrating. It's like Ray Hatchimer was really good for him and probably the most impactful guy they picked up midseason. But we're basically talking about like he had like like five or six really good games over like, you know, a 12, 12 plus game stretch, right? 14 game stretch. So it's like, okay, like like this is this is why being a role player is great. When you suck, no one says anything. And when you're great, they're like, you won that team that game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You forget about the other half of the games where like he faded into obscurity. They just kind of got spare parts. Like like those parts were they it made more sense than trying to pair Westbrook with LeBron, but it was still a poo-poo platter at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. And like I think like realistically, like the takeaway from them making this run is Rob Palenka fucked up so fucking hard when he yeah. got rid of Contavious Caldwell Pope, Kyle Kuzma, like two guys that if they had this season, the Lakers legitimately, legitimately might have been the best team in the NBA. Like they would have had Caruso think, too. And Caruso. Like if you throw those three guys into that Lakers rotation, it wouldn't have prevented them from having Austin Reeves, right? Like, you know, you get rid of that. You would have had an, and we're talking about this Russell Westbrook trade. Like they gave up a fucking first round pick as well to the, to the fucking wizards. It wasn't a high one, but like, that's a, that's a guy that you get that like is cheap under contract and potentially could be pretty good. Like if they just kept the roster that was the one seed in the West that had won a title, that was the one seed in the West before AD and LeBron got hurt. Like, these past two seasons, I think they would have been really good and had a had a chance realistically to like win a championship. Um, and he then had to right his wrongs. He's doing the Donald the my my theory, the Donald Trump theory, where you create a problem that only you could have created, that only you yeah, can yeah. solve. And that's the Rob. That's, that's your pet theory. It's so it's so applicable in so many situations. And and that's what Palinka did. And like people like, oh, he made this great move. I'm like, dude, he got rid of Russell Westbrook, got guys that made more sense, and suddenly the Lakers, who we ended up going from like 13th to the seventh seed, even though like the amount of games they had to like improve from that wasn't massive because 
the West from 13 to like five was so fucking tightly compacted that, you know, there's all that. But let's use this to segue into the major topic I want to talk about. The Lakers were the seventh seed. The Heat were the seventh seed, and then they lost to the Hawks, and then they won against the Bulls, so they became the eighth seed. But I consider them, they both finished as the seventh seed through the regular season. They both made the conference finals. I think a lot of people would go, this is a good thing. But I actually want to ask, like, are two seven seeds making the conference finals actually a good thing for the NBA? Because if there's one thing I think the league struggles with most in terms of the product and the way people view it, is people do not care about the regular season in a way that you want, considering it's 82 fucking games. Um, and a playoff run, if you win it all, is like 24 to, you know, you know, 26 to like 20 games, depending on how well you play for the most part. Right. So is this actually good? Like, it's obviously fun in a certain way, but do you think this is a good thing for the league? Because it feels like to me, if I'm looking at it, who cares how, as long as my team makes the playoffs, who cares? And, oh, we can just remake the team at the trade deadline. And then the last 30 games, if we do fine, we can make a run, right? Like, is that good? Yeah. So I think when you're asking if something's good for the league, first of all, anything, right? You're, you're asking kind of several, there's several different questions baked into that question. Like, is it good for the league in terms of like the league's financial bottom line and and like literally like Adam Silver and his people, you know? And is it good for the fans is another question. And how does it look for the fans is a related question, right? So yeah. it's it's probably not good for the, for the league in terms of directly financially. If I had to guess, I'm assuming that, you know, like a Lakers-Celtics finals would have been a lot more lucrative than a Nuggets-Heat finals, right? Like, this is probably not exactly what Silver's hoping to see. Um, in terms of for the fans... I think it is mostly a good thing. The, I, I guess I would only say that, like, say you're a general fan who doesn't root for any particular team, right? Uh, maybe you also would have found it, the the, the Lakers Celtics, a little more exciting or, like, the, you know, the higher seeds advancing a, a little more exciting, right? But for fans of, for fans of specific teams... You know, it, it definitely engenders a little more hope. Like, like you start, to, you feel like you have a chance. And I, I just, I'm ranting a little bit here now, but I, I think that this is like the the double edged sword with parody, right? We always say that we want parody, and then when parody comes, it's not all that great. I always remember my friend Dave saying <laughs> about the NHL, right? He's talking about the NHL, and I was saying how I wished the NBA had the same type of parody, and he was like, "Well, the." trouble with the parody in the NHL is that it kind of lowers the stakes like there's no dynasty to topple like just any team feels like they could win on any given year and there's a little less drama he's like so it's not always better than the NBA's situation well now the NBA sort of has that parody and I do see what you're saying but I still think it's really fun that Heat fans and Nuggets fans get to see their guys in the finals this year when nobody saw that coming especially for the Heat you know if you didn't see the Nuggets potentially making a run to the finals like, yeah, yeah the, it's really the heat. Well, so for me, I'm th I'm not thinking so much about the Nuggets making it to the finals. I'm thinking more about the Lakers 
getting to a, a situation where they had a chance to get there. And we're talking about like, you know, the Nuggets won some close games, right? Like people be like, oh, LeBron got swept. I'm like, go look at the scores of those games, right? Like most of them were pretty fucking close, right? Like there's a world where the Nuggets don't execute as well down the stretch. And like, you know, this series is 2-2 or something, right? Like that, that that's that's a real possibility. So, you know, the, the Lakers, I think, were closer to the finals than, you know, getting swept would indicate. I I agree that, like, it's kind of fun. And I think in, like, a single-year situation, having, you know, these crazy runs from these lesser teams, I think it's, I think it's fun for the fans. It's a fun story to tell. But, like, I think your friend, is it Dave? Dave Rogers. Dave Rogers. I think Dave is onto something because I actually agree. I actually think parody is really not a good product, right? Like, like just like take a step back. If I go 80s basketball, what teams do you think of? Lakers Celtics. Lakers Celtics. Then the, the Pistons when I think for more than a second. Yes, right? You think of the three teams that basically won titles in the 80s. Three basically dynasties and like the pistons only won they won back to back they didn't get to the dynasty status because they didn't get a third but we're talking about a team that like you know if the celtics hadn't also been like a dynasty maybe they'd gotten to more finals maybe they had maybe would have won three if they hadn't run up against the lakers who are a dynasty maybe they would have won three right so when we think about the 80s basketball we think of dynasties when we think about the 90s first team Obviously, you're a Rockets fan. Houston the Rockets. Team, <laughs> Obviously, the Houston they, Rockets. They also won back to back, right? Even though they weren't a dynasty because whatever. But like back to back's not a dynasty. It's back to back. Yeah. It's not only that. It's just like they didn't dominate in the regular season in the way that like their, their second title is like one of the most surprising runs ever. Regardless, never underestimate the defining team of the decade. I think we yeah. can both move on. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's those Bulls teams, and then it's that three Pete Lakers, and then it's like kind of those spurs that won three out of five years. And then there's the heat that went to four straight one back to back. And like, we talk about the NBA and the things that like we remember and the things that like move the needle for us historically are always super fucking good teams that make it like four straight years, five straight years, win multiple titles, had a chance to win three straight or like, you know, close to it, like stuff like it. So to me, it's like, we don't like when we talk about the history of basketball, no one is like, oh yeah, man. Remember the seventies? Like literally, like yeah. No one talks about the seventies, but people remember or pretend to remember the sixties when fucking the Celtics won all the time, and they like you know, Wilt Chamberlain was trying to battle them, and like you know, he finally broke through and won one against them. Right? Like we talk about basketball in the way of David versus Goliath, but the problem with parody is like everyone just becomes David, you know, like, I guess like, the Heat are a, <laughs> like, you know, they're a smaller David than, you know, the, the Lakers or the Nuggets. But like, I actually think that basketball is lends itself to dynasties in a way that other sports, like, like, I think they like, why do we care if a fan base feels like their team can win a championship if it means they won 50 games during the regular season and got hot as a four seed and won a championship, right? Like you'd be like, Oh, we were the best team in the league because we won the title. It's like, but you weren't 
you weren't actually the best team in the league. You were a pretty good team that got hot at the right time. No one's going to remember that team in the same way where they go, remember that 73-win fucking Warriors team that just had won a title the year before, absolutely steamrolled the league the next season, made it to the finals, went 3-1 up in the finals, and then LeBron went, did the greatest thing in NBA basketball history and overcame that and then won it, right? Like, it's you want the dynasties because when a team beats a dynasty, it's a better story than like, oh, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, it, yeah, that's that's exactly, and that was Dave's point exactly. No, I, I I get that. Let me let me raise a couple of points. Right, firstly, is it possible that this is just like something of a market correction, and that like as previous dynasties phase out, we have these periods of parity throughout NBA history, like between yeah. the. Yeah, between the Lakers, the Shaq Lakers and the the Heatles, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was there was parity for quite a while, right? Like there were some Spurs championships mixed in. Well, there's three and, Spurs championships over five years, right? And, and the like Pistons, they never went they never went back to back. The Pistons got one. Um But there that's a little more parody. Like the Spurs never repeated. They never went back to back. So like it's 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 a little more parody, right? Maybe the Nuggets are about to be to win three championships in five years until you know, inevitably the Houston Rockets dynasty emerges. Jokes aside, it'll probably be the Spurs. But, uh, <laughs> you know, say. <laughs> yeah. But so, like, I guess I'm just saying it, it, it may be that this is just a pattern that that tends to emerge throughout the league and that there's, there's a there's a gap between a dying dynasty and, and a new dynasty. And maybe that's an era that we're in. Secondly, let me just ask you this. If the Washington <laughs> Wizards were up three nothing in the conference finals, you would be happy. I would be happy, but I also would not be happy because like, be happy. no, no, like I would be happy because it'd be like, oh, my team's finally done something to make the fan base happy and excited. Um, you know, like they're, but like at the same time, like I, I'm one of these assholes where like, I fucking hate underdogs winning because for me, like, like I, I'm a big European soccer fan. I really hate playoffs just in general. I'm like, 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 what are we doing here? We have a, this massively long regular season where, to prove who's the best at beating teams in this league. And then we're like, guess what? Like, that's kind of important. You get home court. You get one extra home game in a series. Like, that's your reward if you have the most wins. You get one extra home game whenever you play a team. That's That's vital. But, like, that's your reward for it. And then you have to, like, slug it out through one, two, three, four rounds. And if like you have one bad, one bad injury, one bad series, fuck, sometimes it could be one bad game realistically. And suddenly that amazing season you had, oh, you're a failure. It didn't go right. Like, like that's why like I, like I really, it bugs me because I'm just like, I like basketball. I think regular season basketball is very entertaining. And I just hate how, you know, you go, these teams battle for months like a like a real fucking marathon and then they're like okay you just ran the, you just won this marathon it's like all right you get a two second head start in this 5k to actually to act or this like you know yeah this 5k to actually determine who won the marathon right it's like oh cool uh great and so it's like during the regular season like once you get once you're locked into your seat or whatever there's no incentive to like win those extra games right like it's just i don't know i i yeah but I, this, we're, we're not relitigating 
the existence of the playoffs either, though, right? Like, they're, like they're, we're going to have the playoffs. I know we are, which is why, and like this thing's like, I know we are. It, which is why I want the teams that did the best during the regular season to usually have the most success because they're, to me, the teams that deserve to be remembered the most uh, in the most positive light from the season. And it's like, like, what are people doing with the Bucks? The Bucks won the most games in the league, and they're like, the Bucks were a massive failure. Giannis is out here saying, like, you can't tell me I'm a failure, blah, blah, blah. And people are like kind of clowning him. And it's like, okay, like Sixers had a great season. Oh, like, and B, Doc Rivers, fucking James Harden. They're all fucking chokers, chokers. I'm like, they fucking like won the second most games in the entire NBA. The Celtics, oh, Joe Mazzulla is a horrible head coach. Emo Odoka is way better. They only won more fucking games this year than they did with Udoka. And Joe Mazzulla had no idea he was going to be the head coach entering the goddamn, like, you know, the offseason. And he only got it because Udoka did some bullshit and like threw the organization into a bunch of chaos like like i'm just like why are we talking about these people like they're they're chopped liver when they're fucking they've been good like they've done really All right, but let, let me let me say things. let me say a few things to that right F- firstly like i'm sorry but the bucks did have a pretty friggin' bad season at the end of the day like yeah they won the most regular season games but the thing i think part of it is the preposition presupposition i guess that Playoff basketball is is like a different beast, right? So yeah. it, it is it's a different uh competition in general. And the Bucks failed the competition that matters more. And so like, yeah, to me it's a bit of a failed season. Um also in regards to your points about like the discourse, right? Yeah. Very true. I I strongly agree. But the unfortunate reality is just that like most people are morons and this is how morons talk about basketball, right? Like, like people are so swept up in the theater. Listeners, of like, listeners, if this, how you think, don't, don't, don't take think again. Wor- <laughs> think again, you know, but it's so, it's all, it's so theatrical. So LeBron's legacy, you know, and like, uh, like you know chokers, that. James Harden is a playoff choker. Like I, well, you know, there's, there's a little bit of evidence. No, but I mean, well, okay. But dude did score like 46 and 42 points in oh, two games. Anyone, like anyone that's killing James Harden needs to have their brain fucking examined. He's 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 not the MVP on the team. He wasn't an all-star, even though yeah. we that. he wasn't all NBA, which we disagree with. But here's the thing. He's the second best player on that team. And he straight up won you two games. And Joel Embiid won you zero games. So Joel Embiid, the, the MVP, the nobody likes me. The fucking, I'm going to whine and bitch and moan for three straight years so I get a pity MVP just so James Harden can win two games in a series and I can win zero. Like, James Harden ain't the problem. He did his job. Like, like, like what, are we, what, what are we doing here? No one holds the second best player on teams to the status of you actually have to win the series on your own. It's like, was Embiid out there? Then he doesn't have to do that. He also did. He won them game one on his own. Like, what? Like, what are we fucking doing here? He did the and thing listen, that he wasn't supposed to be able to do. He won a game on his own. Yeah, get this too, man. Consider this. I feel like all the focus around Philly has been on Harden, right? Oh. Uh, and his because because this is the narrative that's taken a hold and it's compelling. It's like this guy's a singular dynamic offensive force, but when when you know when the lights get bright enough. He falters, which certainly there's some truth in it looking at his career. But since that was the the predominant narrative, it's all anybody was talking about until the Nuggets advanced to the NBA Finals. And now we're relitigating 
Jokic versus Embiid, right? Amazing. It's like, it's so why crazy. weren't we talking about Embiid when he stunk it up throughout that series? You know, I, I think he was hurt for what it's worth. Yeah. But like, but un- no until that there's that narrative value, we don't talk about it, right? Like, and when I say we, I mean generally as NBA fans, but yeah. 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 And so that's, this is actually one of the reasons why I don't like when seven seeds make, like, kind of back to the central points. Like, it's why I don't think it's like great for the NBA in that, like, like, maybe it is good in, like, it generates a fuckload of engagement and, like, that's what matters. But I do think there is this, like, long-term sustainability that I kind of think about with these leagues. And it's, like, like we just have this problem where, like, like all of the problems that people complain most about the NBA are caused by the way people talk about the NBA. Oh, star players never want to stick it out with their franchise. Because guess what? When like something wrong happens in the playoffs after a good season, what do you fucking do? You just shit on them. Like, why do you guys yeah. want to go on super teams? Oh, I don't know. Because if you don't win it all, suddenly you suck ass. Right? Like, that is not good for the league in people's eyes. That these superstar players, these great players constantly want to leave. Now, at the same time, maybe it is good for the league. Because... Every single time a guy gets traded, content, content, content. Every time yeah. a guy wants out, content, content, content. Every time a guy comes up short, content, because you can just speculate that he's going to leave. He's going to want to leave. Where do they go next? What happens? Like, these are like the things people want to talk about. And that's fine. But like, to me, it's just like, is it good for the NBA that like the talk around the sport is so rarely about the game? Yeah. Yeah. But most people can't talk about the game on any kind of a reasonable level. Like even you and I, like like we're both intelligent people. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that we're both intelligent people who love basketball, and I think we talk about it on a pretty high level. But you know, there are still people out there that could get a lot more like granular and, and esoteric about basketball than we can, right? Yeah, it's so, like just breaking down tape plays and stuff like that. And like we're not doing that because. Frankly, I don't think we'd be as good as those people are. Exactly. But also at the right, same exactly. time, it's just like, you know, it do like I, I've listened to podcasts where people do that. And it's like, okay, like I'm just listening to you talk about a play, and it's clear that like if I was watching this on YouTube, it would be a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. We don't definitely, have the technology yeah. to. But, we don't have the technology for me to be like, see this guy who's open. He's open. Kevin Porter Jr. didn't pass it to him. Stead did a bunch of stupid ass, slow ass dribbles and took a contested step back three and he hit it. So people think he's good, but that's bad offense. If you were like, this yeah, guy, he's a hater. but I, I mean, I, I'm not going to listen to somebody describe a basketball play either. Like I'm, I'm going to watch basketball. I'm going to listen to you describe a play, you know? So I, I, I feel what you're saying, but I just feel like, like there's a lot of layers, right. And there's yeah. a lot of depth to where the analysis can go. And I, I think that, that we go pretty good, but it's not about us, but, but most people, the depth of their analysis doesn't go any further than like LaFraud, you know, like, <laughs> like the GM couldn't put the right team together. Harden's a playoff choker. Like, yeah, it's just, a real MVP, you know, the, the thing that I find most frustrating. And it's like kind of one of the reasons why, like, I wanted to talk about this is that what happens is, is this people don't understand what's happening a lot of times and don't care to. And what they do is they, they take a look at the score and the result. And then from there, they do their analysis backwards instead of looking at everything that happens and then taking a look at the score 
where you're yeah, like, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. cool. Because like post hoc reasoning, I think, right? It's like, yeah, something yeah. like that, right? And so yeah. it's like it's one of those things where you form the narrative based off the result. So, for instance, like the Celtics are down 3-0 against the Heat. What's the narrative? The narrative is Jimmy Butler is great. Jimmy Butler's always been great. He's great yeah. in the regular season. He's always great. This is something we already knew. He's better than Jason Tatum. If you didn't think that, I regret to inform you, he's better than Jason Tatum. Does he score as many points per game in the regular season? He does not. But he's better at basketball. He's always been better at basketball. Maybe in a year or so, Butler will be older, Tatum will be more in his prime, and Tatum will be better. But Tatum's never been better than Jimmy Butler. Also, Bam Adebayo. He's better than Jalen Brown. People love Jalen Brown. I, I cannot, like, after this playoff series, after all of the data that I've looked at, after, like, all of this, the metrics saying year after year he's not as good as people say he's got significant flaws, Bam Adebayo's better. Why? Because Bam Adebayo is one of the most impactful defensive players at the most important defensive position, and he's also a solid offensive player. He's not great, but he's been good. He's been better in these playoffs. So you go, okay, what's the narrative? The narrative is the Eric Spolstra figured something out against is out coaching Joe Missoula. It's like, oh, he also like, or maybe the Heat have the, their best two players are better than the Celtics' best two players. And the Celtics made up for it by having an incredibly good deep roster. And then the Heat's, the rest of their roster, their bench guys, their rotation guys, have all been playing out of their fucking mind, basically nullifying that advantage the Celtics had with the depth. Oh, that's how they're kicking their ass, right? Like, is is Missoula making mistakes? Maybe. But is he making so many mistakes that his team should be down 3-0 after being better all year? Is Missoula the reason why the fucking Heat are shooting over 40% from three-point range? I don't think so. Is Missoula the yeah. reason why the Celtics are shooting 30% from three-point range, right? Like, it's you can just take a look and say, oh, Celtics have not hit shots. Yeah, the Heat let, let me, have let, hit let, shots. Like, let me try to clue it up this way. All right, I feel what you're saying there. Is this happening because there's more talent in the NBA? I, I, I think that is. I think, I think the reality is. I think that's that's the truth. Is that yeah? There is, there is so much talent now in the league that parity is basically a given when you have a yeah. salary cap, right? Because it's just like, you can right. only afford, like you can't just like stockpile the best players. So how can it be a bad thing for the league if it's happening because there's more talent in it? You know what I mean? Like I remember NBA finals is where uh, it was Shaq and Kobe and, and Glenn Rice and Robert Ory and Derek Fisher or whatever against like Allen Iverson with Eric Snow and Aaron McKee and like, Matumbo. Oh my God. Don't forget Matumbo. Yeah. Matumbo. But like, that's their second best player, you know, like, and teams didn't even run pick and roll back then. So Matumbo was just like in the post taking up space. Like, it, I mean, I'm sure they ran some pick and rolls, but like it didn't, Not it was gross. Like the, the, cause the thought behind those Sixers was, well, Iverson's going to score all the points. So we'll just get all these defenders around him at all costs. And like, because the talent, there was so little talent in the league that that was viable. You know what I mean? Like that was actually somewhat viable. So it, even though there are downsides to what we're seeing, I have to think that all told, it's good for the league. Maybe it is good for the league. Maybe it is good for the league. And maybe what I'm seeing is I'm going, 
you know, the history of the league and the way we talk about it is what's memorable are the dynasties. And maybe that's just not how people are going to be able to talk about basketball like they used to. Or maybe, or maybe once again, like talent comes in waves. Maybe we're just in a wave of really yeah. high level talent, right? Like this draft, you have Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, a bunch of Eamon Thompson, a bunch of guys that have like real, real superstar upside. But I've heard people already say like next draft is the next draft is horrible. And I've heard, you know, people be like, you can't. Yeah, but then there, there, there are from- big names in the next two as well, though. This kid, Cooper Flag. Have you seen this kid? No. Ooh, like, he's he, he's he, he's he good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks good. Anyway. But that that's oh, yeah. that's kind of neither here nor there. Yeah. So maybe maybe we're just in a period of a ton of talent. But the reality is like I don't see, I don't think that's actually likely that we're gonna have suddenly like a talent drop off in the pipeline. More people are playing basketball. More people are getting scouted globally. So there's just like a bigger talent pool that we're drawing from. Coaching has gotten better. Player development's gotten better. Like, I I just think people are better at basketball significantly than they were 20 years ago, man, 15 years ago. Right. And so yep. like, maybe parody is here to stay because we have salary cap and talent is talent is just so high that every team has, is going to have good players and yep. making matters worse is the new CBA is going to make it even harder to build super teams. Um, I know. Yeah. I and know. so, so like, I, I think we might be, entering a new phase in NBA history. And like, my concern is, is that like, what's the least remembered period of time in basketball history? Yeah. Seventies when there was the ABA and NBA and there's like a ton of parody essentially in the league or it felt like it. I mean, fuck the wizards. There were the bullets back then. The fucking wizards bullets won a championship in the seventies. That's how you know shit was fucked up because no way they should have won a championship. Um, Jokes aside, uh, um, Wes Unseld is probably the best outlet passer in NBA history. It always kind of makes me laugh when we talk about Wes Unseld, and it's like he was an incredible outlet passer. I'm like that's a really specific, like niche skill that this guy hangs really his hat good. on. He was really good. Oh, he was good. incredible. He's like one of these one of the best rebounders of all time. And yeah, no, for sure. Back let, when let rebounding me... was valuable. <laughs> exactly when it volume rebounding is. was Back a when thing. People cared about rebounding. Yeah. Let Let me say this. Hindsight is a funny thing, right? I'll use an anecdote from my own personal life. Sometimes as a 36-year-old man, I romanticize my 20s, right? I think about my 20s and like, man, I was in my prime, you know? Like I was young, I was out living life, I was crazy and I partied all the time. In my actual 20s, half the time I was getting blind drunk and, you know, bitching about how I couldn't find love and and like like walking home by myself, stumbling around, you know? Like it wasn't actually that great. There were good times. <laughs> I had some fun, you know, and, and and there were bad times, right? Like it wasn't, it, it was not perfect. Maybe if we went back to the seventies and got a feel for the temperature around the NBA, people would say like, oh my God, the league is so fun right now. Anybody can win a championship. Maybe that was the feeling. It just doesn't, it, it's not remembered well because we don't have those iconic like Magic Johnsons and Larry Bird's and Michael Jordan's, you know, like Dr. J's not in those conversations as as incredible as he was. So I think that I think that's a fair point. I think it's a fair point. Maybe maybe we're making too much of this. I I partially it's because the era, era of parody in my lifetime was really the low talent period of time. It's like kind of like it, it's like in between, it's kind of like around that Spurs dynasty and then, you know, 
those lake like those Lakers that won back to back. Like that that team wasn't that good realistically. Um, I agree. You know, like that period of time was pretty weak, and then you get the Heat, and then you get that one incredible Spurs or those two incredible Spurs teams that you know one first time they lose, next time they get it, and then you get right into Golden State and Cavaliers, and that's absurd. And then you get the Raptors beating them. Like, cause like that's me, like really what I find the most fun is not like when it's like when two Goliaths fight each other, but one Goliath is like, not actually one. It's like a legendary mythical three headed dragon. Um, It's like, and so it's like, it makes, it makes this incredible team look like David in a sense. And like, those are the matchups that I think are like the most compelling. Um, But you know, maybe what's good for the NBA is that there's just, as you said, like there's just a lot of fucking good players. And like, it just, it, to me though, like maybe this is just personal preference. I just wish people cared about the regular season more, right? Like when people go, the MVP is a regular season award. I'm like, as if like, I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, I know, but like, it's like, you're saying that as if it's like, well, th- you know, it's a it's a regular season war. Like whatever. Like who gets it done in the playoffs? I'm like, like what are we? Like, two games, man. <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's a long ass season. It's a yeah. fucking grind. Like yeah, it's hard. Like it is hard to be that good over that many games, and all that shit. And you're just like, well, it's a regular, we'll we'll see how he, see how he does in the playoffs. Playoffs. It's like, dude, man. Like playoffs. Like you know, the Nuggets were sick, and then Jamal Murray or his ACL and it tanked two postseason runs of theirs and then they finally get the band back together and healthy and make the necessary adjustments and they're in the fucking finals and it's just like what were we talking about the two seasons prior to this run by the Nuggets Jogic can't get it done in the playoffs MVP yeah, the regular yeah. season award it's like okay man like I don't know but maybe I just want people to be talking about basketball the way I want them to <laughs> <laughs> yeah on that note let, 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 <laughs> that's that's what we all want right i know let, let, let let's move on uh you can edit yeah. this out or not but i i gotta go take a piss i'm not editing that out james you want to talk about nba draft lottery i want to talk about nba draft lottery i just want to say this i just want to say this before we get into it all of you guys that go and say my team's going to be in the draft lottery Oh, it doesn't matter if we finish with the worst record in the league. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Because guess what? You don't want to fall out of that top five. You don't want to fall out of that top three. Like, the Pistons, all of their fans that are like, this sucks, we lost the most games, we're some ass. How did we only get the fifth pick? Guess what? That's the pick you're most likely to get, you dumb fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's... You, you, like I know the odds to get the first pick, the bottom three records are the same, but man, those Pistons fans came up on the bot, the short end of the stick. Thing is, if they had won more games, they could have ended up with the seventh pick. Like, yeah, like if you're gonna be that bad, you want to guarantee you're not fucked. Yeah, the Pistons got uh, screwed a little bit. Did they get screwed? It's... They got the well, thing no, they were most right. likely to get. <laughs> it's it's funny because yeah I, I've I've seen this with Rockets fans a lot where they say oh we slipped in the lottery like if you look at the odds we technically jumped 
from sixth to fourth, right? It, it depends on how you what your perspective is. On the other hand, if you're looking at like the odds relative to other teams, yeah, we we dropped, I guess, from second to fourth. But like, it's not. You it's, didn't. You know, this was always a very realistic possible outcome, right? Like, like there's just this way of it, like. People get so overconfident somehow, and they just had this feeling like they're going to, like, oh, well, if we don't get Wemby, we're going to at least get Scoot. And, like, yeah, no, not at all, man. We could easily end up with Cam Whitmore, you know? like <laughs> Yeah, bro. It just Do you not know how, like, probabilities work? The yeah. Number, like, the bigger that probability is, the more likely it is to happen. Um, like, even on a basic level, you know? It's like, it's... anyways. Anyways, James. The San Antonio Spurs won the draft lottery. Who do you think they're going to take? <laughs> Get out of here. I don't I don't even want to talk about that one because it just gets so interesting immediately after and it's not very interesting. At okay. That so the Spurs won the NBA draft lottery and they're probably I'm not going to say probably unless there is a crime committed that results in death I think they're taking Victor Wembanyama. I think yeah. he could be paralyzed and you'd still draft him with the hope that you could get him back, right? Like, as long yeah. as he's got two legs and they're attached to his body, he's going one. Wembanyama, if you haven't heard of him, you don't like basketball, I guess. Um, and I don't know why yeah. you've listened to this long. He's, he's literally, at this point, he's probably more famous than Anthony Davis. So let's, you know. He's more highly regarded. I do want to say this. I find it fucking hilarious that the Spurs organizational philosophy of getting the first overall pick every time there's a generational center available. Very interesting. It's a very, I think it's a very good organizational strategy. Um, I don't know why more teams don't try it, but um, yeah, you know, I wonder, Spurs culture, baby. It's funny, man. One thing that's funny about it is like, I really try to resist the urge to give in to like the conspiracy theory that the lottery yeah. is rigged. I, I blocked people. I, I blocked people after the lottery. I was like, people are just like, this This was rigged. It's like, I'm blocking you, man. Like, like, come on. Like, this shit ain't rigged. No, I don't I don't think it's rigged. But it's funny it's that the result was, like, the most fodder for those people possible. Like, the Spurs have all these links in France. You know, they're very popular in France because of Tony Parker. They got the best coach in NBA history. The league wants to protect their asset by making sure women Yama has good like guidance. Like, like I have felt that Wemby was going to be a spur in my gut for months. When I run, when I ran NBA 2k simulations, I would always give the Spurs the number one pick, you know, like I just felt like, like this felt inevitable and then it actually happened. So there was a part of me for a second. I was like, this shit is fucking rigged. But the better part of me knows the better part of me knows that it's, it's not, it's not also real. like I, my, my counter to all that is like, the Spurs are like a pretty small market team, so like. But they've an international yeah. market, right? Yeah, but not not like, not really, man. Like international people, they like the Knicks for some reason, and they like oh. the Lakers, right? Like that. Those tend to be like the big international teams, and now also the Golden State Warriors. Like, like I think the Spurs have a decent following in Mexico, but like that's not a market that like I think is a game changer. Like Europe would be. I'm just saying this, like, if you want to, if, if like, whenever there is like, you know, you no, know, I know it's not rigged. Zion's on the Pelicans. He's not on the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good point. Like, it's, I, it's, it's not rigged. It's not rigged. It's not rigged. All right. Fuck that noise. Let's talk about Spurs. Congratulations. You got Victor Wembanyama. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. Um, yeah. That's all I can say. Don't fuck it up. Number two, Charlotte 
jumps, jumps, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by barely jumps uh, to the second overall pick. And this is where shit gets fucking interesting. And I think this is where we're going to have a debate because the no- consensus number two prospect is Scoot Henderson. Scoot Henderson is a point guard. The Charlotte Hornets already have a point guard in LaMelo Ball. So the number three prospect is Brandon Miller, who is a wing. I'll just say a wing. I don't know. I don't power forward, maybe sometimes small forward, maybe sometimes shit, maybe shooting guards sometimes, but those are now wings, wings, baby. He's a wing. So there's some thought that the Hornets having a very good young point guard in LaMelo Ball will take Brandon Miller, the third best prospect in this draft by most accounts. Some people have him over Scoot. I think those people are insane, but whatever. Um, And they'll just say, no, Blazers or whoever gets the third pick, you can get Scoot Henderson. So I'm saying this. I think that would be a mistake. I think Scoot Henderson and LaMelo Ball would actually be a a really good pairing. James, I know you've said this in the past. I think we've even talked about this on a podcast in the past that you're not so sure about that. I really, I really think that they would be a fucking awesome backcourt pairing, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, no. Okay, so here's here's my thinking of it. First of all, like it, it's absolutely functional, and if it's the the direction the Hornets want to take, it, it makes enough sense to me, right? It's be, and the main reason for that is that Lamelo Ball is a really good shooter, and not just a really good shooter, but like a really good catch and shoot player as well. Actually, like like this isn't Trey Young where we don't know if he can actually shoot off the catch. Or if you really can just launch those deep off the dribble threes, like Ball should be able to function in this role. He's done it with Terry Rozier, right? So, like it, it, it does make some sense. I think that the questions are one: Is it optimal? Can you get the most out of both guys? Can both guys contribute as much as they're possible, as much as they're capable of contributing alongside one another? Because you're taking the ball out of Lamelo's hands, and I, I don't see any way around that and i understand that you need multiple creators but by virtue of the fact that scoot is not a good shooter the most logical thing for this long-term pairing would be for scoot henderson to become like the primary creator like the the default option and ball is the secondary creator uh and but i think that's i think that's what's best for Lamelo ball i don't think he's actually best as a primary creator oh i disagree like... man he's, he's one of the best volume passing guards in the nba already I know, I know. I'm I'm not saying he shouldn't pass a fuckload. What I'm saying is that like the primary offensive initiator to me needs to have the ability to collapse a defense. Or I think you can completely... suck the defense out though. I I think you need gravity. What whether it's three point gravity or rim gravity, and he has he has the three point gravity. It's like Tyrese Howell. And then Scoot has the the rim gravity. Like I'm just yes. saying like like that's that's to me the appeal is that it's like it's like there's there's plenty enough touches when both they're on the court to just do your turn, my turn. Right? Like, I, I feel like... Yeah, but I don't that... like your turn, my turn, right? Like, like that's how it's going to end up looking. Yeah, but who... But, like, if it makes sense, your turn, my turn. Like, imagine them running yeah. a pick and roll together. Like, just think about how insane that, like, LaMelo has the ball, Scoot screens for him. Scoot's a crazy athlete, right? Like, I'm sure he could be, like, pretty impressive as a rim runner every once in a while. But like, think about that, right? Like think about a LaMelo ball, Brandon Miller pick and pop. Like you could put all sorts of stuff together. Right. I know. Like, Here's the thing. This is my question. 
how good do you think Brandon Miller can be compared to how good do you think Scoot Henderson can be? Yeah, I certainly am much higher on Scoot Henderson for sure. So, yeah. but yeah, no, for sure. So, I mean, look, if, if I were the Hornets, yeah, I would probably take Scoot Henderson at the end of the day. Uh, I might, I would probably take Scoot Henderson at the end of the day. But here, here's the second question that I think is really important, though. Is yeah. LaMelo Ball going to be happy about this? Like, because if the answer is no, then I would start thinking differently because Ball is like, he's proven it. And, and I'm not, I don't like that idea usually of like, oh, well, you take the sure thing. It's like, I feel like that's kind of how pussies manage an NBA team. And in my mind, you 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 want to take risks and, and, and be bold. But LaMelo Ball is not just like a bird in the hand. This kid is like a proven like star producer. Like he like LaMelo Ball could contend for the MVP award someday. You know, like like he, he deserves that grace because this kid has done like 23 and eight on the NBA level already. You know, eight and I'm going to say this. Like, you say he could compete for an MVP. I don't know if he's quite that level, but like I think there there is a world where like his game develops to that point. I'll say this. If LaMelo Ball isn't willing to play with Scoot Henderson the way he needs to, is that a guy worth building around? Well, but what if is that a guy his... that you can win a lot of games with? Because like realistically, if LaMelo Ball is like the only way I want to play is I want to be big Trey Young. I would go, okay, well, I don't really give a fuck if we keep you because you're still going to put up numbers. And if Scoot turns out to be good, as good as you or better than you, we could trade you and get players that make more sense around them, right? Like to me, the Hornets are effectively starting from scratch. They have all these veteran contracts of these guys that aren't going to be around much longer. Like they have a chance to add a top tier point guard talent next to a top tier point guard talent. Right, like, hey, if they hate each other, one turns out to be significantly better, they both turn out to be great. Like, those are still guys you can move for whatever you need down the line to fit around that guy. Like, that to me is the reality where I go, like, Brandon Miller to me, like, if you look at his numbers against like higher level college competition, wasn't so great, right? Like, you know, people talk about like, you know, Scoot didn't shoot that well from three point range. Yeah, but like Scoot was also shooting NBA three-point range. Scoot's a year younger than uh, Brandon Miller. Scoot's playing against real grown-ass professionals in the G League. Scoot's got like a pretty good mid-range game. Like there's like the real chance that like maybe he's never a great three-point shooter, but he's probably gonna be pretty good in the mid-range. And just the physical gifts, man. Like you look at this kid, you look at this kid, he looks like a fucking Adonis, right? Like this is a guy who's going to be one of the most he is like a combination of Russell Westbrook and John Wall physically. Uh, and like he I think I just think that he's significantly better as a prospect where it's like all of those concerns, I think, are valid. But it's like, here's the thing. If someone can't handle another really good player playing next to them and getting the ball a lot, we'll just get rid of that dude. Because like that's let, not so winning me- basketball. Let, let me address that point, right? Because I, I, I see what you're saying, but I think LaMelo Ball could be justified in saying, it's not that I don't want to play with other great players. I want my star teammate to be a scorer slash shooter because I know that I'm among the best decision makers with the ball in my hands in the NBA. So I don't want to split point guard duties with another elite point guard. I'm willing to 
seed offensive responsibility, but you got to go out there and get me an alpha scorer because I've got this part of it covered. And I, I think that would be fair on his part, you know? No, so, I, I, I get that. I get that. Yeah, that that's what that's where that comes into play for me, right? It's it's very interesting. So it really it boils down to this too. Like, what's your assessment of Henderson and what's your assessment of Miller, right? Basically. Um yeah, but I mean simply put, but but I mean like I guess the Hornets could feel like, yeah, Henderson is an incrementally better prospect, but the margin is thinner to us than it is to other teams. So we are going to draft for fit. That's how they would justify taking Miller. I do yeah. like Brandon Miller as a prospect. Like I, I, I'll say that he looks like he should be a versatile defender. Uh, he's a versatile shooter. He can shoot off the dribble, catch off balance, whatever you like. Um, I don't think he's going to apply great rim pressure at the NBA level, and that's why I, I am doubtful that he'll be like a first, maybe even second offensive option on an NBA team. But I think he profiles as an elite third option and and maybe a passable second option too. Uh, yeah, man, so... I just I just don't I don't see it with him. I, I just don't see it with him in like he's one of these dudes where I don't see the physical the physical ability to be a really high end player. And to me it's like Oh, he could be a really great third option. Cool. Yeah. But cool. He's, like, he's, like, he's lacking athleticism. Let me say, sorry to jump in on you there, but Cooper, uh, our, our, our boy Cooper, he was, we were talking about Brandon Miller last night and he said something interesting. He was like, I hate when people compare him to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard because those guys came into the NBA as like underdeveloped, raw, unskilled athletes. And Miller is like, he says the perfect inverse. He's, he's perfectly well-developed. He's, he's got craft and skill. He can handle and pass in addition to his great shooting, but the athletic traits that would portend higher upside aren't necessarily there. So I, 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 I do get that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the third pick and the Portland trailblazers who did make a jump. These dudes made a jump and I want to yeah. congratulate the Portland trailblazers for basically putting an end to one of the, maybe Damian Lillard's best season ever to be able to get to the third pick. It really, it really paid off. This is where things get extra spicy. Because while the Hornets could trade the, the second overall pick, I think they'll just say, we're going to take Scoot or Miller, whichever one we yeah, like. Yeah, I, I agree. Right? I, like, agree. I just, why, why pussyfoot around? Just use the damn pick. Oh, you'll, yeah. like, you know, unless someone offers you a crazy amount for it, just go for it. <clears throat> the Trailblazers are different, though, because they have Damian Lillard, who, as I just said, had the, maybe the best season of his career. He is maybe the best offensive player in the NBA, right? Some people would say, I would say Jokic. Some people would say- I would too, but Lillard's up there though. He's way up there. He's up there. He is so good on offense that he can be the centerpiece of a championship winning team. He's got his deficiencies on defense, but so is Steph Curry, right? Like you can insulate guards. You can insulate bad defenders. Like if if you have smart roster building. Caught yourself there, especially guards. It's easier. It's easiest with guards. guards. But even but now nowadays, like with how often people run pick and roll, it's still it's really fucking hard, right? Like it is hard to insulate guard uh, anyone, but you can do it in a way that's easier than insulating yourself from a non-offensive threat, right? Like you've got to be able to do something on offense in the modern game. So, let's just ask this question. Should the fucking Trailblazers trade this pick? Um, I don't think they should. 
right? <clears throat> Personally, uh, well, it first of all, it depends who's on the board, right? So let's say the Hornets take Brandon Miller, right? I think they should trade Damian Lillard for sure. You've got the opportunity to start over with Scoot Henderson. Okay, come well, on. Actually, let, let's just rewind it. Are we both like? Because I also agree they should just they should be like we got third overall pick. Let's just trade Dame. Yeah. No, that's that's your Scoots on the board because let me say this: say say the Hornets actually take Scoot Henderson, right? Yeah. Now the Blazers are in an interesting position. I would not want to start a franchise from scratch with Brandon Miller, right? Like like to me. The appeal of Miller at second is that they already have LaMelo Ball and they view him as a cornerstone. If Miller is your first cornerstone, I'm pretty pessimistic about that, right? And Amen Thompson is very much a boomer bust prospect. So I can understand if the Blazers said, we're not really interested in going down that route. That sounds like four years of being irrelevant until he's ready. You know, like we're, we're, we're just not risking it. Uh, and so if, if Scoot is not on the board, yeah, maybe they should trade the pick. It, it, it depends on what the offer is, of course. You know, this is going to sound crazy, but what, like, how, how do the Trailblazers think this third overall pick, whoever they get, is going to be helpful if they want to win with Dame, right? Like, Dame's in his early 30s. Even if Brandon Miller ends up becoming a really, really, really good player, how good is he going to be next year? How good is he going to be in year two? And yeah. after those first so they, two seasons, Dame's like 35. They have to either trade the pick or trade Dame, right? So it's, to me, it's one yeah. or the other. Yeah. yeah. So, like, to me, that, like, and I agree with you, it's like either trade Dame or trade the pick. Now, let's just say they're not going to trade Dame because they haven't traded Dame. And that's been the most fucking obvious, like, they're the most obvious candidate for rebuild because they have almost all of their picks. They've gotten high picks these past two seasons. So they already got like, you know, Shade and Sharp, some people think is really good. Some people are a little skeptical. Look, he he's he's got a ton of talent. You have the third overall pick right now. And you could you're not like the Rockets trading James Harden where you had a bunch of picks out the door. Right. Yeah. Like they like they're in a situation where if like you just trade Dame right now, you could you could be a good team in three years. Right, yeah. like, like, yeah. I, I, I mean, if, if Scoot Henderson's on the board, dude, you you have the opportunity to to assemble a Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp backcourt right off the bat. You had to gamble on the potential of that man. And they have <clears throat> Anthony Simons, like, you know, he's young, like he could be a part of that court, or you could trade yeah. him for a bunch of other stuff. Okay, so let's just say the Trailblazers keep the pick, or not not keep the pick. Let's say they keep Dame. What should they do? with that pick because I don't see any really high like unless the Raptors are like we'll give you like Siakam and OG and you send us like the third pick and I don't know what else right like Jaden Sharp in my opinion that's how that would look in my opinion I mean Pascal and OG I would do I would do Simon's third pick and maybe another pick Right, like I think yeah, that would be a really good trade for, and, and I think Nurkic's contract is going to go over just to make it all make sense too. But like, yeah. who cares about using Nurkic anymore? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think the Raptors offer the most <clears throat> sensible, and like, don't get me wrong, I do not think that Dame Lillard, Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi are like a serious title contender next year. But, but I be good. do. They would be good. That's the thing. That's what I was just gonna say. They, 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 it is a good team. So if the Blazers insist on going this way. 
that's their best hope. And then I guess I, I one wonders if they could entice the Brooklyn Nets to to think about their roster and like get maybe Mikel Bridges and Nick Claxton over. Now in that situation, I suspect the Rockets would actually get involved because the Nets don't want to tank unless they can get their picks back. So maybe something where the the Nets get like the fourth pick and a few of their picks back, two of their picks back. The Rockets get the third pick and the Blazers get uh, Bridges and or Claxton could be viable. Other than that, it's it's a little difficult to look around and see anything that makes sense. Right, now. I've seen people say Paul George. I think he's too old and injury prone. Like I just I, I I would not the third overall pick for Paul George does not sit well with me. So yeah, I I, I honestly I feel like Portland needs the Raptors to play ball or else I don't know what they're gonna do. You know what I heard? This was I think. It's one podcast. I was listening to podcasts, so I'm stealing this from someone. But they said, and I think you'll be receptive to this: Orlando, six and eleven for three. How does that Maybe. help Portland with with Dame right now, though? And they, well, you could then use because I think the problem is with the third pick is so fucking valuable that like there's no one really out there that's going to be available through trade as of right now. That like you'd be like, I'm giving up the third pick for this. But the sixth and eleventh pick, yeah, like those are still good picks, and like you know, you might be able to like get someone that makes more sense for you. Um, but I think he was like, I think the trade was like uh, Wendell Carter, six eleven for like three and Nurk or whatever the fuck it, like would be or like to make the salary work. If I'm Orlando, I don't hate that idea because it's oh, like, if I'm Orlando, I like it. Yeah, like I know, I know Orlando Magic fan love Wendell Carter Jr. and like he's a, he's a good center, but like it's not hard, it's not that hard to find a player of his quality. And at the end of the day, it's like your best lineups, you better hope are Palo at center because like I just don't know like how good he's going to be at defending modern power forwards who are like predominantly small forwards, right? Like I don't see him yep. being able to be a real wing defender, so it's like your best offensive lineups, your craziest lineups are going to be like, can Palo survive at center on defense? And can we absolutely just torch people on offense? And I think, you know, you get Brandon Miller, Franz, Palo, like that right there as like, you know, three, four, five. That's, that's a crazy amount of fun. And then all you need to do is just waste all of your picks on the next available high-end guard. Yeah, but what does it do for Portland? Like, hey, Dame, don't worry, we got you Wendell Carter Jr. I I feel like that's like like they're, they're just kind of splitting 11. the difference. Yeah, so you, and then you use six and eleven for more trades, more trades, or like you draft like you know you use six and then you draft someone at eleven that like you know more of a plug and play guy, right? Like, because that's where you yeah, I don't think you're that. gonna convince him. I don't think you're gonna win him over with rookies either, though. But I guess you trade six. I don't know. Like, I see, I see it in theory to an extent, but to me, I'm like. The, the the real money move is trade three for like a star or two, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Rockets, your team, fourth pick, fourth overall pick. I was banging on the drum all year. They want to win. Do I want to win the fewest games in the league? Give them the best chances not to drop out of the top five. They didn't. They got the fourth pick. But in this draft, is the fourth pick better than the third pick? I think for me and my preferences and what I'm hoping happens, I, I, I think that you could make the case. Although, you know, if the Rockets agree with me, they would rather just get the third pick because there are worlds where Amen Thompson ends up going third, I think. Like, like th- this kid's measurables are absolutely bananas, you know? Like, like people could look at this guy and say, like, 
we can't pass on the upside. If the Raptors trade for that third pick, I could see them taking a man Thompson, even though I mean, come the on, how fit many, with how Scotty many, Barnes is horrible. Yeah. How many yeah, guys no, they, do they need that can't shoot? No, I agree. <laughs> if Brandon Miller's on the board, they should take Brandon Miller. So, yeah. But insofar as what the Rockets ought to do, it's definitely, if he's on the board, in my opinion, draft him in Thompson. I, I think Thompson would have Barnes on the highest ceiling on the team. A, a, a lower floor than Jalen. A lower floor than Shangun, for that matter. Maybe even probably a lower floor than Bari, but a higher ceiling than any of them. And and at this stage in the rebuild, I think it's far from the right time to play it safe, man. You got to go for broke. Like, take the kid that has superstar potential. If he busts, then you're going to be the poster boy for here's why you don't tank for, for a decade to come. But but if he hits, then you got something, you know? Um, I like where the Rockets are because... I, I always like being in that position where it's like, we don't actually have to make a tough decision, right? Like if you're a general manager and it's like, oh, why'd you take this guy? Like he was like the obvious guy. Like we had no, like the other guys were taken. It's not like, it, you know, it's like when you have like the second pick a lot of times or even the third pick a lot of times, you know, there's like one or two guys, right? So like, you know, it's like Jalen Green, taking Jalen Green over Evan Mobley, like that becomes if you fuck that up and Mobley ends up becoming way better than Green, that's like a fireable offense, right? But if like you know last season they get Jabari, if Jabari Smith Jr. like doesn't end up being good, well like he was like the third dude, right? Like like what we're supposed to like do the completely the outside the box thing with the third pick, right? Like no one's getting upset with that. It's just like that's how the cards fell. I would also prefer Amen Thompson for the simple reason that like. Jumbo size playmakers are super, super, super nice to have. And we haven't seen one really that's a nuclear athlete. Like he would be like, you know, you have LeBron, right? I guess like LeBron would be kind of that type of thing, right? But LeBron was probably, you know, obviously he was better. But like how many like really athletic, true kind of like point guard playmakers that are also large have we seen like because like Luca's not explosive athlete Lamelo non-explosive athlete um who else are the jumbo playmakers that are out there you know Jokic non-explosive athlete yeah to say the least Cunningham non-explosive athlete and he's not even right? big like like Kate Cunningham's not even that big right not like, as big as Thompson yeah right like yeah no like, it's I, it's a well taken point man let me let me frame it this way okay yeah like, and tell me if this is crazy but I don't, I don't think it is if Amon Thompson was a good shooter, say like even just a marginally above average shooter, okay, he'd be in if that were the case, to go, he'd be, he would definitely be in conversation to go two. I think he would be in conversation to go one, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Right. If he was a good shooter, because yeah, I, I, maybe I mean, you seem to agree, so I don't even need to justify it any further. Well, but no, like, I mean, like, have, if, if look, he's one of these dudes. Like, I, I have, I have questions, right? Like, and you should have questions. This dude did the overtime. Yeah, definitely. Movie. Like, we haven't really had. I don't know if we've drafted anyone out of the overtime elite uh, thing. Nope. He's nope. A bit older. Uh, He's a bit older. Um, he hasn't played against like legit competition. The jump shot might literally be so bad that as to be like a non-factor, but you can't fake the physical measurables that this guy has and the dribbling and the feel are all like, they're all clearly there. Like, I think he's someone that's going to be, if he's going to be great, he's going to have like a Russell Westbrook, like rookie year where you're like, man, 
play through your mistakes, but there's going to be moments where people go, oh, fucking hell. Yeah. This dude's a player, right? Like, yeah. there's going to be moments where you're like, shit, that's a lot of turnovers. But if you're the Rockets, like, I know I know the Rockets fans, like, you know, they want Harden. They want to get good again. They don't want to give the Thunder a good pick. I'm just like, man, like, at the end of the day, you what you want is you want a championship. Trying to be as good next year as possible is not giving you the best chances to win a championship. Amen. So Amen gives you the best chance at it. Like he 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 gives you the best chance because when you're going for a championship, it's about the upside. It's about upside swings. Um, it's about the upside play, right? Like he gives you that best chance for that. And I think like that's the gamble you have to take. And Miller is one of these dudes where like you know, if the Kings were, it's like kind of like, you know, the Kings would take him at four last year type of situation where it's like, you know, you feel like he can come in, carve out a role as a rookie, develop, and, you know, so help your team now, help your team in the future. But you're really not thinking like, oh yeah, like when this guy reaches his peak, he's going to be the guy leading us to a title. Like, no, you're like, we'll need to get that dude. We'll need to get that dude. Like, amen, could be that dude. He also could just be not. But with a guy with that size and physical ability and playmaking, right? Like, I don't think he's a high, like, I think you're actually underselling his floor, right? Like, dude, like Ricky Rubio can't fucking shoot, but the dude can playmake and play defense. And like, whenever he's on the court, his teams have a positive plus, plus minus net rating, right? Like, let me, why couldn't he just be a freak athlete Rubio? And that's a pretty high. Oh, he definitely he could. He absolutely could. But let me, let me. Let me hit on a couple of those points. First of all, could not agree more about the Rockets and the position they're in, man. Like, it's funny how people want to impose this artificial timeline on it. Like, well, now is the time to get good. It's like, well, I mean, not at the expense of the, the future because we're horrible, you know? Like, so there and there are things you can do to get better next year that don't come at the expense of the future. And those are the things you need to be looking at, right? Like. I don't want James Harden back at all, man, and especially not on a four-year contract. Go yeah, get Mike I Conley. You. I got you. I can. No, but I yeah. The more it. the more I sat with it, the more I was like, "This is dumb." It uh, is. It doesn't make sense for anyone. I've been saying well, that the whole part, time. Partly, what I thought too. Partly, what I thought too was this: if the Rockets are going to draft Wemben Yama, then maybe there's some logic and just yes. push everything and try. Yeah, exactly. So you got like Harden, Wemby, Jalen Brown. You know, like just go nuts. Like, like you get Wemby, go nuts. Try to contend in year one. But I don't think the Spurs should do that. But they don't have some weird avenue to James Harden, so it's a little different, you know? But we didn't get Wemby. So now I feel like, no, man, go get Mike Conley or Chris Paul, Like the, which there's some rumors around that, right? Like these are these are veterans that can teach you guys that are on expiring deals, like, and they will still make you better next season, right? Yeah. And, like, go sign Nas Reed as an RFA. Go... Get, I don't know, maybe you take a swing on Dylan Brooks or maybe like you definitely offer Cam Johnson a big contract. Like These are all things that you can do that improve your short term. Not to mention going from Steven Silas to Ami Udoka, right? And without jeopardizing your long term, that's the way to look at this right now. Like, yeah, the Rockets need to be better next year, right? We need to not be a laughing stock anymore. That but means jump be. to 30 wins, right? Yeah. Also, like the whole like, if we don't make these big swings, we're not going to get better. I'm like, it's like, guys, like, time out. Did you not, like, see your team? It was super young. You literally, like, by the end of the season, their active salary cap was, like, $60 million. Like, yeah. it, was, like it was, they weren't, like, it was, it was a literal, like, they had, they were spending more money paying players that weren't playing, that were off the roster than guys that were actually playing. Like, 
they are going to get like they don't need to get anyone outside of just fill that cap space with people that are functional NBA players and they'll improve dramatically. Um, but yeah, like I, I, the thing that always confused me with the Harden stuff is it was just like, who does this actually benefit? Like, like really, does like how does this benefit the Rockets? Oh, like we're a thirty-five win team opposed to a thirty-win team, or like shit. Let's just say it's like you know, top-tier outcome. They improved by twenty wins. They're a forty-two win team. So what? You're in hey. the fucking lay-in. Like okay, yeah, cool, I know. But like you paid him how much? Oh, exactly. four years, two hundred and fifteen million or something absurd. It's like, oh, so like this first season it goes well. The next season he gets a little worse because he's older. And like you basically be banking on, oh, our young player is developing. And it's like, cool, by the time they're good enough to be leading deep playoff runs, James Harden's still going to be on the books and he's probably not going to be leading that charge, right? It's just like they're going to get better because Jalen Green's going to be better. Jabari Smith Jr. is going to be better. I'm assuming Shengun's going to be better. They have a better coach. They have Terry Eason. He's going to be better. They're going to have this fourth overall pick and then they're going to fucking spend up to the salary floor because you literally have to do that and they're going to fill out the rotation and it's just like it's like it's like a, dude they might win 20 more games legitimately if one of those guys takes a big leap and udoka is a good coach and they hit on whoever they do the salary like you know the with their cap space right like without james harden it's just but james harden i, I agree with you it's just like how does this help you how does this improve your chances of winning a championship and if it doesn't do that like and it maybe hurts it. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? What, 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 why? Why? Yeah. No, I'm so out on it, man. Unless he wants to sign a absurdly team-friendly contract, which I, I, I don't really see happening. But uh, Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the final team in the top five to get off the draft lottery. The Detroit Pistons. Who lost the most games in the league? And... They end up with the fifth pick, which feels unfair. And then you look at the NBA draft lottery odds, and they actually have, they were most likely to end up with the fifth pick out of any single pick. So for fans of tanking teams, I suggest you go take a look at those odds and realize NBA draft lottery is fucked up and it's not fair to the bad teams. And I don't know why they do that, seeing as that like these are organizations that are actively taking less money to try to improve and you're like we're gonna punish you we're gonna punish you even more it's like dude we already suck like just stop this shit like like make sure we don't like fuck i don't know i I just think it's a little unfair that when you're the worst team you can end up with the fifth pick and like some years the fifth pick is like really not a game changer yeah this year could be though uh i i have a definite favorite target for the pistons who do you think they should get Cam Whitmore out of Villanueva. He's going to be available. Um, I think he projects as, like, he definitely has star tools. He's got really impressive burst and vertical. He can get to the hole. Like, he should be rim pressure from day one. They also need a wing. Uh, The shooting is a bit of a question mark, but I think that if he can develop into even an average shooter, he'll be good. The mechanics are solid. You know, like, there's nothing about his jumper that makes you think this guy will never be able to knock it down. The percentages aren't even ghastly they're just not great i think he's the obvious target they might prefer ozer thompson uh i don't know i think that whatever thompson adds in terms of creation that whitmore doesn't 
or well, I should say playmaking. They've already got covered in Cunningham and Ivy, and I, I would just go get like rim pressure. And I I I think Whitmore's the guy for them. I'm not gonna lie. After those like first four guys, I'm not I, I don't <laughs> I haven't done enough research on these prospects. I'm just gonna say this about the Pistons though. I really don't like their rebuild. Like, I know people love Cade Cunningham. I've been kind of lukewarm just because like not that like I don't think he's gonna be a good NBA player, just that like there's a lot of people that talked about him being like like a guy, like a superstar, like a best player on a like a championship caliber team. And like I, I'm not saying that's not gonna happen. It's just like it doesn't look like it. He's been quite bad in the NBA. He missed all of last season, so he's lost a lot of developmental reps. Ivy, man, like Ivy, I don't know. Like he he's one of these dudes where like he put up some good numbers once Cunningham went out in like a superficial way, but like, you know, the efficiency, like he's someone that could go either way. And he also could end up being the guy. And then the trade for like Marvin Bagley and the extension trading for James Wiseman, they already have Jalen. They only drafted Jalen Duran, who's like been quite good. Um, And then, you know, Isaiah Stewart, like, look, like they need a wing. And if Cam Whitmore is the best wing available, go for it. Right. Like, I think that makes sense, but, I don't know, man. Like the Pistons just like they got Bogdanovich. Like, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. And like well, not to uh, like not to stroke your ego, but like I don't understand how like they do not catch the same like what the fuck is going on with this organization as someone like the Rockets. Like the Rockets have gotten all the like what the fuck is this organization doing? When you go look at the moves like the Pistons have made, it's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You won 18 yeah. fucking games. Yeah, but it's because it's, it's, it goes back to the same conversation we had earlier about how everything is so narrative-driven. Like, right? The Rockets are like a good team. Like People are accustomed to them being a good team. The Rockets have been competitive since the goddamn 80s for the most part, right? So now that they're a bad team, it looks worse. Whereas the Pistons just went through the like Andre Drummond and Greg Monroe era, and then they pivoted into the Blake Griffin era. Like This team has been pretty much trash since like, like Chauncey Billups left, right? So yeah. by now, it's like... Anything they do well, anything that's optimistic about the Pistons is amplified. And, you know, like because we've now classified them mentally as a bad team. I think we've been talking too long, man. Yeah, I I just I guess my final thing on this is like this is like like the Pistons getting the fifth pick seems to be something that's kind of could end up setting them back. Right. I, I, I think so, too. That's why I partly would draft for fit. I mean, but, but at the same time, I think like like Whitmore's like that's not controversial, you know, like like yeah. he's mocked anywhere from fifth to eighth, but I've certainly seen him fifth. Uh, I think that he's a higher floor prospect than Thompson, and in their case, I would gamble because the ceiling discrepancy is not that wide anyway. So I would just say, yeah. let me go get the guys got more bankable. You say you haven't watched Whitmore very much. Basically, picture like KJ Martin with a handle. I think is is what I'm like. What I'm really looking at. Is he bigger? Uh, yeah, he's bigger. Yeah, and and okay, bigger. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Give, yeah. Give me that dude. Give me that dude. Right. Me exactly. Dude. <laughs> like like really strong run and jump athlete with with like burst and strength to to bully his way to the hole, and uh, a really solid functional handle. Not like he's not Kyrie Irving with the rock, you know. Yeah. But like, but yeah, like he he can he can take it up and down the floor and yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. We've been talking a long time. You know, I'm just going to say this. You know, the Wizards, when they got to the final ping pong ball, had a greater than 50% chance of landing the first overall pick. 
imagine. Did you, know that? Did imagine. you imagine? I know the the triple towers: Daniel Gafford, Kristaps Porzingis, and Victor Wembanyama sharing the court together. Because we would have done that. That that would have been my thing. All right, this was above the break. Oh my god! Uh, remember to like, <laughs> subscribe, rate, review. Tell all of your friends and family. Uh, maybe not family. I don't know if they like basketball, but yeah, don't be that annoying family member. But annoy your friends. Fuck those people. Anyways, tell your friends, family about us. Um, also make sure to check us out on Substack. We get a lot of good stuff up there. If you want the the URL, it's above the break com. super super easy to remember subscribe to that additional written content um vid- links to videos all that stuff we also have a youtube check that stuff out too it's not the most high quality production but you know you get to see me with my new haircut which means i don't have hair anymore um and you can see james beautiful mustache right so there's there's so many there's so many more things for you to get out of this podcast that you're not already getting. Um, I recently got up a piece about the Miami Heat and three-point shooting variants and kind of how it's been on their side. And there's some fun data in there that you should definitely check out. I'm going to get a playoff Jimmy Butler thing up. James, did you know that playoff Jimmy Butler is a myth? Uh, no. I mean, I'm very interested to hear about that. Uh, the reason why of... playoff Jimmy's a myth is that he's just is fucking good in the regular season too. <laughs> okay, all right, that makes a little more sense then. Yes, yes, yeah. it's yes. Anyways, uh, but definitely subscribe to that because you'll get all of our our stuff. Uh, James, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, no, nothing, nothing, especially at the moment. Uh, above the break. Oh, you know what? I we just posted actually. Uh, yeah, I just finished an episode of uh the Upside Swings with with once again Cooper Klein and and his homies. Uh, they just uploaded it. Go find them on Twitter. Upside swings. I think we did it. We they, they wanted to talk about the Rockets and the Rockets draft prospects, and it was a really fun episode. You know what? Check out Upside Swings. They're the they're the unofficial prospect people of above the break. Uh, <laughs> so so definitely yeah. check them out if you're interested in just you know getting a better understanding of the upcoming NBA draft and the prospects there. We'll definitely get into more of that. Um, James, do the do the Heat close it out? Do the Heat close it out Tuesday night against the Celtics? Yeah, I I have a feeling. The Celtics look disconnected, a little demotivated. Uh, I, I just have a feeling that it's just about over for Boston myself. It's Yes, who it's over for. It's over for the Heat. I'm calling it now. Celtics are winning the next four. <laughs> okay, anyways. Anyways, uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, peace. Peace.